En Ford creemos que ya sea que estés bajo el foco de atención o bajo tu propio techo, que tengas 90 minutos o 9 horas, que estés empezando cambios o un largo viaje, Fortaleza es hacer todo, como si el mundo entero te estuviera mirando. Presentamos la nueva Ford F-150 2024. Fuerza así de inteligente, solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Fuerza Ford. Aloha mamá, ¿dónde andas? <ríe> Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawái es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro con mi unidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Blackhawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. My name is Ambra Gutierrez and I was sexually assaulted. I felt like I was going crazy. No one believed me, and people pointed at me. I couldn't believe this was happening. I was forced into exile, and it forever changed my life. But now I'm back, and stronger than ever. I know I did the right thing, and now I feel safe. I also know that I'm not the only one, and there are more stories that need to be told. I'm ready to help others speak out, to share their experiences and help them feel empowered. They need to know they're not alone. I invite you to be part of this movement in our words. With me, your host, Ambra Gutierrez. Subscribe, share, and help us speak out. Hello everyone, this is Ambra Gutierrez and I'm welcoming our guest for today's episode of In Our Words, Dr. Alex Schiller. She's the author of the book Never Sleep Alone and she teaches us how to be more comfortable in our own sexuality and how to overcome the fear of approaching people and start new conversation and breaking down the sexual boundaries that everybody has. How are you today? I am wonderful, Ambra. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure Thank to be here. Thank you for being here. I'm I'm so happy to have you and I can't wait to talk to you about this that a lot of people try to always hide and not confront because there is this taboo that I don't understand and we should not have. Yeah, I think, you know, for whatever reason, it's hard for a lot of society to admit, look, I want to have sex. I want to have sex. I want to be sexually desirable. I want to have good sexual relations or I want to change my current sexual relationship. And people don't know how to say it. They don't know how to be liberated with their sexuality without being labeled something derogatory, which happens a lot in our society. So, you know, I, I kind of created my show. I have a, an interactive show for single people in New York City. Um, I've also done it in Vegas and different places around the world. And um, it's a seminar, basically, on how to get over yourself so you can get under whoever the hell you want. Um, and basically what I teach is the nine habits of highly fuckable people. And by fuckable, I don't mean, oh, my God, they're so hot. I mean people who feel good about themselves, who desire the life that they're living. And in that way, they become desirable to everyone else. 
Wow, that's amazing. And what do you think as a woman that your way of talking about sex uh, should be expected from people? You know, like usually the society wants us to speak as princesses, like dress up <laughs> in a formal way and try to hide every piece of skin that we have. You know, like that's it's something I really love when a woman is empowered with her own sexuality and is not afraid of speaking about and try also to... To help other women because if you're empowered in that way yeah. you know I think it's something also to be safe it's uh, a very yeah it's a very interesting thing that you know women who work in the entertainment industry they're allowed to be as sexy as they want and kind of put sex first and I don't mean just the adult entertainment industry I don't just mean porn stars I mean actual female celebrities I think I'm allowed to because I'm a doctor I have a title therefore it's totally okay for me to say things like hey I want to get laid tonight in a scientific medical way, you know, but for the average everyday woman to express her sexual desires, um, to express her sexual needs, there is some sort of a taboo about that. And, you know, myself, I think I wasted my teens and 20s not knowing um, how to how to identify my own desires and therefore not knowing how to communicate my desires. And I think that's something that happens to a lot of women. We don't really come into our own sexually until we're older. I mean, Jane Fonda herself, she said, you know, I really did not get confident about myself until I was in my 70s, until, until she was in her 60s and 70s. She didn't have the balls. One of the sexiest women in the world, she did not have the balls to say when things weren't working for her in a sexual or romantic relationship. And I love the fact that she admitted that because so many of us look up to her as a hero, like, oh, you were so hot. You had sex with some of the sexiest men in the world. And then she tells us the truth. She's like, you know what? I didn't want to have those threesomes with Roger Vadim. And I didn't have the balls to say that. Wow. You know, and there are times in our lives where we want to be um, less sexually promiscuous. There are times in our lives when we want to be more. And the one thing that none of us, men or women, seem to feel comfortable with is believing that our desires change often and that that's okay. That, you know, yeah, we're women, we're moody. Yeah. We, well, women, know. men are the same, you know, and we so often identify ourselves with our sexuality that we think it needs to stay the same. That, okay, if I want to be a virgin, I say I want to be a virgin until I'm married. I say I did. I was going to be a virgin until I was married. That, that's just the way it was going to be. And then I hit about 22 and I thought, never mind, <laughs> you know, and, and I changed my mind and that was okay. And then, you know, I tried being a lesbian for a while. I tried being bisexual. I thought about a sex change operation, but it turns <laughs> out I just needed to work out a little more. You know, there's a, there's, there's a lot that, that we, we do. We change as human beings and we evolve and the world is changing around us. So our desires should be allowed to change and we should have that kind of dialogue. We should have it with ourselves. We should have it with our families. We should have it with our sexual partners and not be embarrassed about it. And we need to realize we're all human beings. Yeah, to be complete as a people. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we're sluts. That just means that we're normal, healthy, sexual adults. And we should be able to act on that curiosity in a safe, respectful, consensual way. Exactly. And you gave me this beautiful book, It's Never Sleep Alone. And I cannot wait to read it all <laughs> because I'm so curious. So what about we start speaking about this book? Right. When this started has an idea of giving people like a rule, set of rules to follow and to free themselves from yeah. these boundaries. Well, as I said, you know, I think I wasted a lot of my youth. Um, 
not knowing how beautiful and how powerful I could be, you know, in my life, in my life in and out of bed. And um, when I got into my 30s, when I started doing the seminar, when I really started doing a lot of research into my own sociosexual life and so, you know, uh, sociosexual cultures around the world and started experimenting sexually, I learned a lot. And I thought, well, what if I could put what took me, you know, 30-something years to learn into a book and teach people um, in 200 pages. But I think the biggest problem with self-help is that a lot of people just read and then they don't do anything. So my book's interactive. There is a challenge that you have to complete. It's a solo journey. It's nine principles and nine NSA challenges um, that are guaranteed to turn you into the one that everyone wants if you actually do it. It's like anything. If you exercise, you're going to lose weight and feel stronger. If you don't, you won't. So if you read one, you know, principle and you're like, ooh, I like that, but oh, I'm going to skip this challenge. I'm not ready to do that. It's not going to work, you know. Um, but it's, it's fun and it's, it's more about creating a life that's the romantic and exciting and empowered life you've always wanted to lead. Um, one of the concepts in the book is don't see the movie, be the movie. And I teach you how to create that life where you're the star of your own movie. Because I'm so tired of seeing people waste the best years of their life, feeling awkward, feeling unattractive, feeling afraid to become that person they want to be. So these are some strategies on how to become that person that you want to be, that person that is inside of you, how to become your own sociosexual superhero. And this book is also a show. Mm -hmm. And uh, you make interact people during the show. Yeah. And so, so you make them do yeah. things that are inside yeah. the book. Step out of your comfort zone and into other people's erogenous zones. Um, so before I was a sociosexual psychologist, I was a pediatrician working abroad in the Doctors Without Borders program. And working with poor and malnourished children taught me how to deal with desperate people with short attention spans. And the thing is, you know, there's really no difference between an eight-year-old Somali boy with diphtheria and a 30-year-old Manhattanite with no boyfriend. They're both suffering. And in order to get better, they need to be told what to do. So Dr. Alex tells them what to do. What I do is I separate my audience if you are single and if you are seeking. And if you are seeking to overcome your inhibitions, you sit in a certain section. And for being brave enough to do that, you get discounted tickets, you get free champagne or the non-alcoholic beverage of your choice, but you have to come on stage for blind dates with complete strangers, for demonstrations. Um, you can always opt out. Once you step foot on that stage, if you say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with this, you can say the safe word and you're out. Everybody gets consent from each other. But in my show, you have complete strangers talking to people they wouldn't normally talk to, making out with people they wouldn't normally make out with on stage in front of everyone, um, having a really realistic and honest dialogue. You know what? I didn't like the way you kissed me. Oh, yeah. Why? Well, you were a little rough. And actually, I don't like it rough. Oh, well, I didn't like the way you kissed me. Why? I like it rougher. Okay, well, now we know. And, you know, it starts this wonderful dialogue between human beings. And even if you don't sit in the section where you come on stage, you are required to have conversations about sex with complete strangers. There's a point in the show um, where everyone gets up and everyone's wearing a mask, so you feel a sense of anonymity. Safe. <laughs> and um, the mask colors are determined based on your 
um, sociosexual personality. We do an erotic evaluation before the show starts. Um, everyone talks one-on-one with one of my research assistants. And you're assigned a color. And during this mingle section, sometimes you have to find someone with the exact same color as you. Sometimes you have to talk to someone with a different color mask. But it has to be a complete stranger, not someone you came with. And even if you're married, you do this, which is really exciting and empowering. And there's questions that you have to ask each other. And when you talk sex with a complete stranger, it's very liberating. And it also is very informative to you because it makes you define desires and discover desires that maybe you didn't even know you had. And the fact that you can do that with a stranger makes it easier for you to do it with yourself and also with your partner. So a lot of people wrote me, you know, we're a married couple. We don't even know how the hell we ended up there. A lot of people think they're going to a show called Sleep No More, (laughs) which is like the exact opposite of my show. But it's another popular show in New York City with the title Sleep in it. Um, And you have to wear masks and sleep no more, too. But they're all the same masks and you're not allowed to talk to each other. And you can get in trouble if you have sex in the bathtub like I did. (laughs) At my show, feel free to have sex in the bathtub. (laughs) But uh, they say, you know, married couples are like, thank you so much for that night. It was totally a surprise to us but we had the best sex of our lives and it was really interesting to see you know people in the room are really attracted to my husband and I I saw him in a completely different light and you know it's a safe way to do it that's a little less extreme than a swingers party or something like that so people also come back to your shows Mm -hmm. and they you see like people that keep coming yeah it's become a real community it's almost like a mega church of sex and dating preaching the philosophy of NSA it's it's I think, you know, it appeals to people in the same way church appeals to a lot of people in that, you know, there's a book, there's principles, there is um, something that we are all kind of subscribing to and helping each other to believe and studying and doing and acting on. Um, And at its core, it's about human kindness and empowering each other. You know, the people that get on stage, I can guarantee you, they would never talk to each other at a bar. They would say, oh, she's out of my league or, oh, he looks weird. I don't know. And then they end up on stage together having a really incredible first date because when you take away expectations, real chemistry is able to come out. And that's, you know, chapter one of the book. That's what it says. You've got to eliminate expectations and increase your experiences. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Alex. And to the audience, if you would love to get the book Never Sleeps Alone, we can have it uh, Mm -hmm. through Amazon. Yeah, if you go to neversleepalone.com, you'll find links to the book in every language. It's been published in English in North America and Canada. It's also been published in Germany, the Czech Republic, in Japan. So just go to neversleepalone.com and you can find out about shows and parties and all things NSA. When is going to be the next show? Next show in America will probably be in October. I'm going to Italy for a little bit. Oh, nice. You got to come with me. <laughs> yes, of course. I have to see my family. <laughs> and, andiamo. Um, andiamo. <laughs> well, guys, for today is not all. And in fact, we have the comedian Rosalind Hart, and she's the creator of Dr. Alex Schiller. <laughs> Thank you for letting me come on as Dr. Alex. Can I please take this fucking wig off now? <laughs> She was named one of the 50 funniest New Yorkers by the time out in New York and been featured from New York Post to Vogue Italy and more. The New York Times, too. Let's not lead with the New York Post, although I'm very grateful to New- to you, New York Post, for featuring <laughs> my work. That's kind of strange, but... Uh, Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's fun. It's always fun to do, you know, the appearance as Dr. Alex, but then get to be myself and take off the wig and uh, 
Yeah. Not with, that we want to get more serious, but let's talk about what inspired you to create Dr. Alex. Um, so yeah, I was working in New York City as um, a comedian. I came here in 2002 when I was 22 years old to uh, originally to pursue musical theater and film, you know, legit acting as they call it. Um, and I quickly realized that it wasn't a very, um, it wasn't a very fulfilling scene. You know, you go and you go on all these auditions hoping to be accepted. The best you can hope for is, you know, some small part in the chorus of a show you don't really want to do, or you do these independent films, low budget bullshit with creepy (laughs) directors. And so... I um I started doing my own work. I started doing stand up. I did stand up for a little bit. Um, uh, unfortunately, the stand up scene is such when you start out, you've got to bring people in order to get stage time, which wasn't a problem for me. I was really good at bringing people. I would always bring you know at least ten people, usually more like twenty to thirty, because I was a singing waitress in Times Square. I always met a lot of people. It was easy. And you have an amazing personality. Yeah. So, <laughs> but then those twenty to thirty people I brought would hate me because they had to sit through ten other shitty comics. <laughs> because when you start out, if you do what's called a bringer show, um. They'll let anybody have stage time, which is a beautiful thing, but they'll let anybody have stage time if you bring the people. So it kind of sucks if you're a good comedian and you bring a lot of people and then they have to spend money and sit there to see, you know, a bunch of other people they didn't care to see. So I started producing my own shows, my own one woman shows um, and did that for a while. And eventually, after years of dating in New York City after years of trying to sell my own shows in New York City, which trying to sell yourself professionally is a lot like dating. The same rules of seduction apply, I found. You know, you have to um, leave people wanting more in the same way you do in romantic situations if you want them to be intrigued. Uh, Less is more. You have to be direct but seem mysterious. All of these things. So, I um I also love theater. I love going to the theater. And it was interesting to me to see that people would go to these shows and uh, not talk to each other. And you have this transcendent event happening before you, this theatrical show, larger than life thing. And you see people just sitting straight forward and they want to talk to each other. But the theater usually isn't a forum for communication. And then I'd go out to bars and restaurants trying to meet people to have them come to my shows. And I'd see people wanting to talk to each other there, but not really being able to unless they were shit face drunk or unless a pop song everyone knew came on and they were (laughs) shit face drunk. And then they all started singing together. And it was this really beautiful, you know, binder for the for the house. So I thought, you know, what if I could combine theater with a bar with you know sort of like a seminar on how to talk to people um but in a very theatrical way and i love self-help books always have i think a lot of times they're ridiculous but a lot of times they're really useful i also love tony robbins i think a lot of times he's ridiculous but a lot of times he's really inspiring and really useful so i just kind of had the idea i'd been doing a lot of different characters over the years and i had the idea for a show what if i created a character who's like a tony robbins of sex um and so i created the character of dr alex schiller uh totally fabricated the fact that she was a best-selling author that she had a book you know did some shit on photoshop but I completely <laughs> inhabited that character when people came in, you know. The first thing we do is we sing a song together. 
Um, we all hold hands and we all sing a pop song and the lyrics are projected like they would be in a church. And that immediately creates a sense of community. Everyone feels a little silly doing it, but, you know, it's Dr. Alex. She's, you know, a badass female doctor who looks kind of like Uma Thurman from Pulp Fiction. So, uh, yeah, it's just from the very beginning, it, it became a thing because it was a place where people could feel safe talking about sex. People could celebrate their sexuality. Um, people could admit, yo, I'm a virgin. People could admit, uh, my husband just left me and I'm feeling pretty unfuckable right now. People have come out of the closet at my show. People have told their spouses that they really love them, but they want a divorce at my show. So, um, it just became a thing pretty quickly. The New York Times wrote about it, like, you know, hook up theater. Here's a theater is a form for, um, social and sexual connection. So it, it was great. And because of that, um, Simon and Schuster approached me and they said, look, you know, your fake book is doing really well in the theater. Would you like to make it a real book and reach more people? Um, which was cool, but it was a challenge because the show was meant to be a satire of a self-help seminar. I never, I mean, I, I knew it would help people to talk and to connect, but I didn't know people would take the advice to heart and that that advice would actually help them so dr alex is helping so many people yeah in a strange but... way and people know it's a character but they're still they love her and they listen to her and i think she is really important because unfortunately in this society if you go and you try to say the things that dr alex says and you look like me which is a curvy woman with big boobs and long hair you know, I don't think people would take you as seriously, but Dr. Alex is very severe. She's older. She's, um, you know, got a severe haircut and a business suit, and she means business. I also thought that uh, she was going to get really, really famous, which I think it's happening. She, but yes. no one will know who the hell I am because Dr. Alex really gets mobbed at the after parties, which is fun. If I feel like, you know, talking to people as Dr. Alex and getting mobbed, I go as Dr. Alex. If I don't, I take off the wig and then I can talk to people and find out what they really thought about the show because they don't realize they're talking to Dr. Alex. It's really fun when people hit on me with the same tactics Dr. Alex taught them. But so is Dr. Alex helped a lot of people, but mm -hmm. it's it's also helping you. It's a character that you made also for yourself to your help yourself. Yeah, or is she's almost like a, she's so think of it as like Clark Kent and Superman. So I'm Clark Kent and Dr. <laughs> Alex is Superman. Superman. And uh, the more time I spend being that superwoman, uh, you know, the more I become that in my real life. And that was interesting to see. And a lot of times I think like, you know, when I'm in a situation, either a professional or a personal situation, I think, you know, what would Dr. Alex do in this situation? Um, and she's somebody who came, you know, from nothing. She was overweight in the middle of Texas, hated her life, hated everything. And she transformed herself. Um, and I guess I did that to a lesser degree. And I think a lot of us have those of us that make the the leap to move from our hometown to New York that make the leap from being kind of under the thumb of our family and the society we came from to move somewhere else and do something else. So I think the transformation resonates. But I think just, you know, if we all had our own inner sexual superhero who can kind of, um, you know, inspire us to be the biggest badass we can be, to, to do the things we wouldn't normally do, we'd all be a little better off. Um, And it, it's funny that it took becoming that character to really make me someone who is not afraid to say what I want, someone who does not stick around when I don't get what I want, someone who's 
generous um, enough to ask other people what they want and actually listen and actually, you know, say, okay, well, you know what? I can fulfill that desire. You try to fulfill mine. I'll try to fulfill yours. Um, so I think, I think, I think she helped me a lot and it's fun to see her helping other people. It's fun to see the people that I work with now as a life coach, which again was never my intention. I was an actress. And when people started saying, yo, I want to work with Dr. Alex 101, I'd be like, okay, but you know that that's a character. I don't have a degree. I'm not a doctor. And they're like, well, your advice works. Clearly you <laughs> learned something from the years of mistakes you made. And I think you could help me. And and a lot of times they end up helping me. They end up inspiring me because I have to be Dr. Alex for them because I have to be like, all right, we're working out today. It makes me work out because I have to say, OK, you really need to define your goals for this week. Then I do it myself. So yeah, usually you know, helping others help yeah. ourselves. That's yeah. like a rule. Or <laughs> it's really cool. It's really cool. And it's really rewarding. Um, the book came out in Japan recently, and in Japan, it's just for women. The publisher really wanted it to be a book for Japanese women, empowering Japanese women, which I was against at first because I kind of wrote it as a universal human book. Didn't matter your gender identity, didn't matter your sexual orientation or your age, but they were just like, look, women in Japan really need this. And it sold more copies in Japan in less than a year than it sold in every other country wow. in almost three years. And women write to me and they say, you know, thank you so much for teaching me that I have a voice and that I can use it. And it's so strange that as women, we don't know that, you know, and we for and sometimes we know it and then we forget it again. And I'm really excited about what's happening in the world today where women are finding their voices and they're using them. But I think, you know, we really need to use voices to talk, but also to use our ears to listen and to encourage men to talk about what's on their mind and to listen to them. And we just need to create a dialogue where we're all talking to each other in a really honest, open and respectful way. Yeah, we should like create also like sort of rules of how also men have to approach women because, okay. The and how women have to approach men. Exactly. When you're living in a city like New York, let me tell you, a lot of my male <laughs> friends get sexually harassed a lot. How people need to approach people. Exactly. In, in, in sociosexual situations. And the thing is, that's something we're not educated on when we're young for whatever reason. So I do think there needs to be a it's program on how to express your desire and your interest in a, in a respectful um, in a respectful way. And I think a lot of a lot of people are, you know, when we talk about affirmative consent, like, oh, but then it ruins the moment. Then it's not sexy. Listen, clarity is hot. No means no. Yes means yes. Maybe means let's have a conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah being more empowered, saying no, and like more secure on, yeah. on what you want. And There needs to be a conversation. And women need to know, and I'm talking, because a lot of times in consensual sexual situations, women don't speak up when the man's not doing it the way, or, you know, even in lesbian relationships. Anyway, people don't speak up when they're not receiving pleasure from a sexual situation. They sit there and they take it, which is a way a lot of people talk about sexual harassment. Like, oh, well, you know, like, I can deal with it. I just take it like, I don't know, I ignore it. No, you shouldn't ignore it. You should say, hey, darling, you're so hot, but could you please slow down a little bit? I, you know, I'm not a road. You're not a jackhammer. Can we just... Can we just slow down, you know, or, hey, babe, you're using your teeth. Can we, can we not <laughs> you just, I love you. Thank you so much, but you're using your teeth. Can you, oh, okay, good. 
And I always say you should lead communication. <laughs> yeah. Communication, helpful communication. Um, it, it needs to happen and uh, it needs to happen more. And there's a way to make communication hot. It doesn't have to be insulting. It doesn't have to be clinical. Yeah, there was um, a sort of like example that happened to me. I was like in a club and of course, you know, like you go in clubs to like meet people. But anyway, I was with my friends. I just wanted to like enjoy their company and somebody came like on my side. Uh, I was sitting and he started to like tell me, oh, you Umbra, this and that. Like probably it was like I don't know, knowing from social media because I didn't know him. And he was speaking in Italian. It happened here in New York like mm-hmm. a few months ago. And um, I didn't know him, so I didn't want to speak to him. So I said, I'm sorry. You know, I'm here with my friends. And so he left, disappeared. And suddenly, I don't know, I was feeling from the upper side of this club that some ice was being thrown on me. And I watched up and this guy was like sending me like the middle finger and saying like, who you think you are just because I didn't want to speak to him. And those are also like some sort of um, problems, like being rejected, you know, like it's something like I was feeling scared. I remember Mm -hmm. that night. I remember I went home and I was like mad and scared and annoyed because why should I be treated like this if I don't want to speak? Because I'm a person that said no, if Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to, you know. But um, yeah, sometimes we have to like even try to make people understand that that's not the way. I don't know, like if I dress up in a way that you have to come and approach me. And the thing is, unfortunately, rejection or what is seen as rejection, which you were just saying, hey, I want to talk to my friends. um, Rejection often brings about aggression. And that's something that, you know people have to take a personal responsibility for. In the book, I say we have to understand that chemistry equals fate minus logic. You don't know who you're going to have chemistry with. You don't know who's going to have chemistry with you. If someone does not have chemistry with you or doesn't want to engage in a social interaction with you, you can't take it personally. You just have to say, okay, great. That, you know, it's not that move the fuck on. Yeah, real life is going to go on anyway. (laughs) But I mean, it happens. It happens to male celebrities, too. Like I have a friend who is a celebrity and is a male. And when we go out to the club, of course, everybody wants to talk to him. And if a girl, a drunk woman comes up to me and he's like, bro, I love love you so much you're so hot and he's just like i'm sorry you know like we're celebrating my friends they i can't talk to you she'll same thing what an asshole dear you you know it's just it's human rejection when humans get rejected they tend to react by either being super aggressive or just super depressed and we just have to not see it as rejection if someone doesn't want to talk to you because they're doing something else with their lives um, is actually overcoming your fear to talk to no. someone you want to. So yeah. Listen, if you need positive. to learn about rejection, become a model or an actress <laughs> or an actor <laughs> or anything where you get rejected all the fucking time and you'll realize it has nothing to do with you. Actually, you know what made me, and thinking about it now, what made me comfortable with rejection is when I became a director and all these amazing actors had to come in and audition for me and I, I couldn't use a lot of them. And not because they weren't good. Like, actually, two of the best ones I couldn't use because they didn't look right, you know, with the other one who was the only one who could sing this note, blah, blah, blah. And that's when I stopped taking things personally, professionally, and in my in my personal life. I was just like, oh, you know what? Sometimes it's just not right. And that's okay. And that's no reflection on me. I just need to go out and keep talking to people and keep meeting people. Yeah, understanding Having the other more side. experiences. Yeah. And meeting more people. Just, you know, have the courage to make a pass. 
have the decency to take no for an answer and have the wisdom to move the fuck on. What do you think people react so strongly to Dr. Halix in this time of anxiety? I think there's two reasons. One, she says it's okay. She says it's okay to explore your sexuality. It's okay to be a sexual person. Um, It's okay to be empowered. It's okay to be what society calls promiscuous. It's okay to explore and experiment. Um, And she says not only is it okay, but she makes a very, very... um, She has one line that I think resonates with everyone that, you know, tomorrow your genitals could turn to dust. You only get one life. You only get one chance to explore everything you explore. You only get one body and you only get one chance to feel good in that body and to feel good with other people and other people's bodies. And I think people just realize that they're like, holy shit. The one thing that is definitely going to happen to me is I'm going to die. I will die. There's no way around it. So what am I going to do with this time, whether it's one night or whether it's 70 years? You know, today I'm younger and hotter today than I will ever be again, no matter how old I am. And I always say that to everyone in the audience. You are younger and sexier tonight than you will ever be again. Think about that. And you see people thinking about it, you know, and like I have women and men who are well advanced in age coming up to me and saying thank you for making me realize that I am still fuckable and that I still do have these desires and that I have the power to um to reach out and to act on them and to make connections that my my genitals haven't turned to dust yet um yeah but sometimes making us look pretty and sensual and feeling good with ourselves make problems like has we were talking about sexual harassment or men going to us and touch us without our consent just because we dress up in some way right i think you know i think that does happen a lot and i don't think it's fair um i think i can offer an explanation for why it happens i think you know the clothing you think it's related clothing to i think the clothing we wear um often has the function of a costume and costumes serve to identify characters in our little brain you know when we're not thinking clearly especially when we're drunk so a sexy outfit is typically a costume of somebody who wants to be touched and you'll see it by the way with men in uniform you know when we see a man in the police uniform or a fireman we associate them with sex so you get drunk cougars being like oh my god sexy fireman who's not a stripper he's not a stripper he is just trying to be there and be the fireman in the club and they paw all over him so it happens in both ways I think the reason it happens is because people tend to just they they associate that kind of clothing with someone who has a more open sexuality I think I mean I think men and women they just need to learn how to control their alcohol intake and to realize that you know boundaries personal boundaries we should all have personal boundaries and it shouldn't happen but you know I think when it happens we need to say hey not just like hey get the fuck away asshole we need to look that person in the face and say hey I'm a human being so are you I feel like you just violated my personal space I'm not trying to be an asshole by saying this to you are you trying to be an asshole by touching me so you know I'd feel comfortable shaking hands right now and learning each other's names or something like that you know really define define why you're upset to that person and maybe with that will come some education and if you don't talk to that person and teach them they're not going to learn yeah and and that happens you know out of the bedroom but also in the bedroom if you don't communicate with your sexual partner they're going to keep doing it badly if you keep having random hookups with dudes you meet on tinder and you don't tell them as dr alex says give a man a fuck and he'll come once 
teach a man to fuck and he'll know how to fuck. (laughs) And the advice that I'm going to give to women, I would give to men too. I would give to transgendered people. Um, this is, this is something that is a big piece of advice. And step one, exercise. Really, I honestly believe that if you actually exercise, you automatically become more in control of your life. Because if you can control your body and make your body do things that you have control of in, in a focused manner for at least 30 minutes, at least five times a week, All of a sudden, you have this sense of power and pleasure and peace in other areas of your life. And you have strength. And men tend to exercise more than we do and stick to their exercise programs longer. And I believe the reason is, is because typically they're not doing it because of the way they look. They're doing it because they want to feel strong. And if we all exercised, not because we want to fit into the skinny jeans, but because we want to feel strong and in control, I believe it would change everyone's life for the better I know it changed mine you know when I started exercising every day which I had to I did I started it for vanity purposes because I do get naked at the end of my show and I wanted to look good on stage and you know I'd been exercising in quotes for years without much results so I hired a personal trainer and he taught me how to really exercise and how to really do it to be stronger. And as I saw my body getting stronger and I saw myself controlling my body and I started getting stronger in other areas of my life. Um, And it just, it has so many benefits. I'm not, you know, an exercise guru, so I'm not going to go through all of them. But to me, in a socio-sexual way, an hour of exercise a day, at least five days a week, will change your life. Um, And it'll make you feel more powerful. It'll make you more mentally focused. It'll make you feel strong and in control. Because if you can, your body is the only thing you really can control. It's very hard to control your emotions. It's hard to control. You can't control your fucking hormones, really. Exercise helps. But, you know, (laughs) when that PMS comes and the one thing you certainly cannot control is other people. And I think we need to realize that as women. You can't control someone else. You can't control the way they're going to feel about you. Therefore, it has nothing to do with you. All you can do is do you, love yourself, Live the life you want to lead, imagining that no other people exist because there is nothing you can do to control them. There's nothing you can do to control chemistry. One minute you will have chemistry with someone, the next minute you won't. And that's just how chemistry is. C equals FML. Chemistry equals fate minus logic. You can't control it. And you can't pull. You can't push. You can't force your way into a connection with another human being. And that's something we all need to learn. Well, I, I've learned so much during our conversation. So thank you so much, Rosalyn. Oh, thank you for and having me on. Yeah, thank you for accepting their invitation. And well, I wanted to speak to the listener and ask them to follow us through our website, the website of where to find your show and your books so they can keep on learning more and more about this topic. Yeah, you can write me anytime. Dr. Alex at neversleepalone.com. Spell out the word doctor. Dr. Alex at neversleepalone.com. I'm not actually a doctor. Fake doctor. Real <laughs> results. And also you can reach out to me through the emails of in our words at univision.net. And so um, we can speak about your experiences and uh, what you could do to help others as Rosling is doing and Dr. Alex is doing. And so I'll wait for the next episode to have you again, everyone. And uh, have a very lovely day. Aloha, mama. ¿Dónde andas? <laughs> Seguro de compras. 
tengo mucho que contarte. Hawái es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Black Hawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Garopay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Mobile.com para detalles.